Father, we're so thankful for the words in that last hymn. God, that in the midst of storm, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of anything that we could possibly imagine, that if we are found in Christ, it is well. God, as Christ tells us, do not fear the chapter 2 of the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 2. We'll be reading the whole chapter this morning. I titled this morning's sermon, A Qualified Redeemer. A Qualified Redeemer. So as you're turning to Ruth chapter 2, how many of you are familiar with the Tootsie Pops? They got really familiar with the owl of how many licks does it take to get to the center of the top. When I was younger, growing up in church, I was told when I would receive you know, a treat of a Tootsie Pop that if the rapper had an Indian with a bow and arrow shooting a star, you could take it to a gas station and they'd give you another one for free. You could redeem that rapper of a Tootsie Pop to get another Tootsie Pop. You haven't heard of it either. No. Neither did the gas station attendant. <laughs> I went in and I was in grade school and I said, I have a Tootsie Pop that's got an Indian shooting a star and I'm ready to redeem it for a new Tootsie Pop. He looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> Apparently that's not a thing. An Indian shooting a star on the wrapper of a Tootsie Pop does not qualify to redeem it anywhere for another Tootsie Pop. It may have thought that it did, but it did not inherently have the qualifications to redeem anything. So we're going to be looking at Boaz and his qualifications to redeem Ruth. Last week's sermon concluded and Ruth and Naomi came to Bethlehem at the start of the harvest. 
it's fitting that the entire contents of chapter 2 revolve around Ruth harvesting grain. So let's begin in Ruth chapter 2. We'll read for this first session verses 1 through verse 7. Ruth chapter 2, 1 through 7. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please, let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. This is, again, the setting. He's setting the background. This narrator is beginning chapter 2, and he introduces us to a new character. He introduces us to Boaz. Boaz, we really don't know much about Boaz outside of the book of Ruth and maybe a couple of genealogies. But what we have in the book of Ruth, specifically here in chapter 2, gives us insight into his character, the type of a person he is. Chapter 2 gives us insight into who Boaz is. It tells us about his lineage, it tells us about his character, and it tells us about his obedience to the law. First, his lineage. The narrator identifies Boaz as a relative of the clan of Elimelech. You see that? The very beginning, verse 1. When we hear about Boaz, then Ruth sets out to, to glean, to glean wheat in a field. It's not, you could look at this and say, well, she's purposefully intending to go and seek out Boaz, but the narrator is the one who introduces us to Boaz, not Naomi. So the text reads that she just so happens to wind up in the field belonging to Boaz. The phrase in the original language, it literally would read as chance chanced. What? <laughs> it's trying to say, oh yeah, just as it so happened. She just happened to wind up in Boaz's field. But we remember from the earlier time we've been in Ruth, God is sovereign over all things. That means he is in control of all things. His plan was from before all time, and it reaches into eternity. Proverbs 16.33 says it this way, The lot is cast into the lap. The dice are rolled, in essence. But it's every decision is from the Lord. There's nothing that escapes his plan, his power, or his purpose. Again, as if to say, as it continues to read, the narrator is saying, don't miss this. He says that Naomi 
or that. Boaz is of the clan of Elimelech. This is the second time. Repetition. What is the significance of Boaz being of the clan of Elimelech? We'll see later as we go. But because of his lineage, Boaz qualifies to be what's known as a kinsman redeemer. This is not something that we practice nowadays, and I think we all who are married would say thankfully. But this is what's known as Leverite marriage in the Old Testament, where the Mosaic law commanded that if uh, a spouse dies, specifically if a husband dies, that it was his brothers or his next of kin to redeem his brother's lineage, to marry his wife. And by doing that, would inherit the things that belong to her. So here we have Ruth, who is a widow. Her husband was killed in Moab. We don't know if he was killed or if he died, but she's a widow. She needs a redeemer. So the significance is that Boaz qualifies because she is of the lineage of Elimelech. Ruth's father-in-law. Secondly, Boaz meets the qualifications in that he is a man of character. It says Boaz greets his workers. He says, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. He greets his workers with honor and reverence to the Lord. And his workers don't just sarcastically say something under their breath. They respond the same way. The Lord bless you. You can't coax somebody to respond that way. You have to genuinely care for your employees to have a response like that. Boaz's character, his response that he gets from his employees, and the way in which he speaks to them is telling of the kind of man that he is. He's a man who honors both God and people. He then turns his attention and he asks his foreman, whose woman is this? He recognizes that there's somebody in his field that doesn't belong. And look at the way that he says it. He doesn't say, who is that woman? But he asks, whose is this woman? Who, does she That's, again, not the way that we would talk about it today. We wouldn't say, who's, who's, uh, I don't even want to use my wife as an example. Who's, whose woman is that? That would get you in a lot of trouble really quick. <laughs> so men and women don't use that term. But again, it goes back to the redeemer mentality, that there needed to be a redeemer, that Ruth, who is now a widow, needed a redeemer, needed someone to carry the line. So Boaz asks, whose is this? His foreman responds, this is the Moabite woman who returned with Naomi. He doesn't say anything about possession. He gets right to She's a Moabite. She returned from Moab. And she asked to glean in the field. And she, this speaks to Ruth's character. She did not stop except for a short while. 
So what is gleaning in the field? This isn't, uh, I was talking with you earlier, I think last week, Larry, that it's time to get the hay ready. Maybe past time to get the hay ready. Who knows? Gleaning is not harvesting like we would think of today. Gleaning is a specific provision in the Old Testament Mosaic law that tells the Israelites to leave the border of their land unharvested. Why? Here's what the text tells us. Deuteronomy uh, and Leviticus says, The Mosaic law displayed particular compassion for the alien, the orphan, and the widow by prescribing that harvesters deliberately leave the grain in the corners of their fields for those economically vulnerable and not to go back and gather the ears of grain that they may have dropped. Leviticus 19.9 says specifically, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. Verse 10, And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the falling grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. God is making this provision. And Boaz is keeping up with the requirements of the Old Testament law. He's providing this provision. So two ways that Boaz is qualified as a redeemer. His lineage. Boaz was from their clan. We can also see that Jesus is from our clan. Deuteronomy 8.15, Moses says, the Lord speaking through Moses, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And Hebrews 4.15 identifies Christ as human. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, but without sin. Boaz was from their clan. Jesus is from our clan. He was human. Boaz was a man of God. Jesus is the Son of God and is God. He's the second person of the Trinity. John chapter 12 says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, this is Jesus speaking, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. John 10, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent him into the world, you are blaspheming because I say I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. Jesus is human and he is God. Thirdly, Jesus keeps the Old Testament commandments. Jesus never once sinned. Hebrews touches on his perfect blood. If he did not have perfect blood, he could not atone for our sin. <clears throat> so we can see and we can uphold Boaz, his lineage, his character, his obedience to the law. But Christ has done that to the full. We move now from the setting to this middle section where Boaz provides protection and provision. Read with me as I read verses 8 through 16. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go glean in another field or leave this one. 
but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. This is the back and forth. Boaz speaks, Ruth responds. Boaz speaks, Ruth responds. We see first Boaz extends kindness. In some senses, Boaz is saying the same thing that the covenant God says to his Israelites. He's protecting Ruth by telling her to stay in my field, stay with my people and drink the water I've provided. Essentially he's saying, don't go elsewhere to find the things that I'm providing for you. How did we start the book of Ruth? With Naomi and Elimelech going outside of God's people, outside of God's promised land, outside of God's provision to the land of Moab. This is the same Thing that Naomi and Elimelech disobeyed. So Ruth would be a fool to go anywhere else. How often do we disobey God's commandments? He gives us, Scripture says, everything that we need for life and godliness in His Word. And yet I'll stand up here and say, there are so many times where I disobey it. Thankfully, by the Spirit, I'm come back to it, and I said, God, I want to do that. I want to keep this. I want to be more like Christ. There's hope that even in the midst of our disobedience, if we continue to cling to Christ and to his word, he will continue to conform us to his likeness. Boaz extends kindness. What would Ruth's response be? She's overcome. She's overcome with emotion. She's a Moabite. And here, an Israelite, not only an Israelite, one who owns a field, has great character, follows after God, is showing her kindness. As a foreigner, as an alien. The way that Boaz speaks to her and values her, even though she's a foreigner, causes her to ask, Why? Why have I found favor? in your sight. 
often and sometimes we should ask the question, what have we done to find favor in God's eyes? And the answer is we haven't done anything. Only because of what Christ has done on our behalf are we seen as the righteousness of God. If it weren't for Christ, we would continue to be those dirty rags that Isaiah says. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Even our righteous deeds are filthy rags in the eyes of God. But because of what Christ has done, we have found favor in the sight of God. To the answer, what have I done to found favor in your sight? Boaz explains, this is where the reputation of Ruth is kind of making its rounds. And it's not doing it in the way that you think. Remember, Israel, Moab, Israelites, Moabites, false gods, God of Israel. The conversation going on today would highly emphasize her alien and foreigner status. In fact, that's probably what should have been taking over the conversation with Ruth in this field. But something overshadowed that. The story of Ruth has been told and noticed by the Israelites. How she showed covenant love to Naomi, an Israelite. She left her father, her mother, and her homeland. And most importantly, Boaz reminds Ruth that she has found refuge in the God of Israel. He uses the phrase, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. Jesus uses this imagery in Matthew 23 of his compassion to bring those in and to protect those with his salvation. He says, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Let us be found willing to find refuge in Christ. Think about this, Ruth, though she sojourned from Moab and tied herself to Naomi, the greater thing that she has done was run under the wing of God. She responds again, I have found favor. You have comforted me and spoken kindly to me as a servant, though I am not one of your servants. I think that's an interesting thing to figure out, that Boaz is identifying her as a servant, but the reality is that she's not a servant. That's the same thing that Christ does for us. Because of his righteousness, he now calls us righteous. Boaz then extends kindness through an invitation, an invitation to dinner. This is not a small thing. In the ancient Near East, meals were big to do. They still are, in fact. They signify friendship and blessings. What Boaz is doing is not simply sharing a part of his meal at the cafeteria. He extended this invitation to Ruth, a Moabite, as a member of the covenant community. And it is not a small portion because it says she satisfied. So Boaz extends kindness to the foreigner. Jesus extends kindness to the foreigner as well. 
Romans 15, Paul recounts that all of these things, these promises, were also to the Gentile. We are beneficiaries of that promise. Galatians 3, 18, if I can find it. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promises, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Saying that these promises comes through the promise that he, by your seed, all of the nations will be blessed. Also, Boaz invites Ruth to a meal. Jesus, in Revelation 19, invites us to a meal, and it is an eternal meal. As I mentioned last week, he invites us to partake in himself. The body broken, the blood shed. We'll remember that next week. Lastly, a redeemer is near. Verses 17 to 23. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said that, this man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley, the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. A couple of things I want to bring out from that. What is an ephah? I didn't know either. It's obviously a biblical measurement. Somewhere between 25 and 50 pounds. So here she is. She's gleaned around the edges of this field. Boaz has intentionally had his workers leave some of the heads of grain for her to pick up. And she goes home with 25 to 50 pounds of barley. It's enough for two weeks. At this, Naomi's heart explodes. Remember, this is the Naomi who's just dealt with severe grief, losing her family in Moab, coming home. She left full, and she's coming home empty. Now, at this blessing, her heart explodes, and her mouth explodes in worship, not only to Boaz, but to the God who Boaz worships. She says, this Boaz is a close relative. He's one of our redeemers, and we're left at the end of chapter 2, wondering what's going to happen next. We've seen that he's a qualified redeemer, but it ends as if she'll always be the bridesmaid and never be the bride. It concludes, and she lived with her mother-in-law. 
happens next? Will her state change? Will she continue to be a single widow living with her mother-in-law? Or will she find a redeemer? It's kind of like the old Batman TV show. Same time next week. We'll see in Ruth chapter 3 if Boaz will be this redeemer. I want to close and say that Boaz is a qualified redeemer. His lineage, his character, his obedience to the law. All of these things radiate his kindness to Ruth. Boaz's kindness causes worship from Naomi and from Ruth in the immediate. But Jesus' kindness causes worship for all eternity. And if you find yourself under his wings, if you cling to him as the rock of ages, you will be found, you will be protected. 1 John 2, verse 2 says, He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the payment. He is the redemption for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Are you finding yourself under the refuge and watch of our qualified Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.